Dean Daniel here, reminding you that sometimes it's easier to act out than admit your feelings. Thanks to Hedwig, Carlo, and new friend Emma. Enjoy the show. Hello, and words are in your ears. Um, hello, welcome to Proddy Bag Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Mod Pencil. And I'm producer Nick. And today, the probably bad RPG idea is watching and then talking about the Dragonlance film, Dragonlance colon Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Or is it Dragonlance colon Dragons of Autumn Twilight? I never know where to put the emphasis in these sorts of films. But yes, it it sure is a and d movie. Like, if you just handed a bunch of actors a piece of paper with the phrase D&D movie on it as a script, they would act this out. Like, I genuinely find it hard to think of things to talk about because it is just, it's just a D&D movie. It sure, it sure is. It technically accomplishes that very narrow task. It is. Uh, if to you give just you a sat bit down background... and, asked to, and were asked to make a D&D movie, you would make this movie. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. In, Wikipedia describes it as a 2008 American animated film, the first to be based on the Dragonlance campaign setting of the Dungeons & Dragons role-playing game. As of, yeah, that's going to remain first and only, I think, for a good while. Because I I haven't experienced much Dragonlance stuff. Have you? Uh, not really. That's saying um, something. You've you've experienced all the games. I have experienced all the games. Sadly, this is one of the games I have not experienced. Um, so it doesn't count. Yeah, I'm afraid. Yeah, I don't. So I'm afraid we can't judge whether or not it was a good Dragonlance movie. Um. Yeah, that's this no is... shit. Yeah, we 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 are we are cool jocks. You see, is the issue. Yeah. Now, I thought I'd kick things off by just, um, you know, t- giving people a bit of a uh, bit of background to the to this episode. Talk about what actually happens in the film. I've got the synopsis in front of me. Um, so, spoilers for an incredibly down the middle, mediocre animated film from two thousand eight. The film begins with the return of a group of friends consisting of Tannis Half-Elven, Sturm Brightblade, Caramon Majer, Racelin Majer, Flint Fireforge, and Tasselhoff Burfoot. Kitiara Uthmatar, the half-sister of the twins Caramon and Racelin, was supposed to be there as well, but for reasons unexplained at the time could only send a mysterious note. It was F-sharp. The companions had separated five years previously to pursue their own quests. On the eve of their reunion, the companions discover that Solace, the village where many of them made their home, is very different from the peaceful village they had left five years previous. Solace has been taken over by a religious order called the Seekers. They are collaborating with the Dragon High Lords, who are preparing them for the conquest of the continent of Ancelon. Solace is now an armed camp as hobgoblin soldiers patrol the once peaceful village. Tannis, Flint, and Tasselhoff meet up outside of Solace, and as they enter the village, they are accosted by Fumaster Toad. I'm just going to spell that out for you. F-E-W 
M double A S T E R. Yeah, um, I apologise by the way to any Dragonlance fans who are like, oh my gosh, Feud Master Toad finally made it to the big screen. We we don't know these people, so feel free to leave angry comments te- in our email telling us about these people. Yeah, this this does remind me of um, that tweet about Star Wars. Um, I'm gonna gonna try and get it up because it definitely rings true here. Um, Tumblr user. Um, yeah, it wasn't a tweet. It's Tumblr user Gomjabar said, um, every time a new Star Wars movie, st- sorry, every time a new Star Wars movie or show is announced, all the fans are like, OMG, Glup Shitto is back. Defi- I'm definitely getting that feeling as, an, as a Dragonlance outsider. Of just Some of these people I am supposed to care about because... In this um, Wikipedia article, they've got blue names, and when I there's a whole wall of text when I go through to their pages. Yeah, like... it's very possible we're not the target audience for this movie. But when does that stop the internet from like? It stopped I... me from talking, certainly. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're mostly the target audience. We we play a lot of role playing games. Hmm. Um, we've definitely watched and enjoyed some fantasy films. Like I didn't know anything about um lord of the rings when i watched fellowship of the ring when it came out but i was just like yeah i'm open to it i want to mm. want to see it but i went in with the same kind of hopeful optimistic attitude I that know, i, did I think that. perhaps like... the possibility is that because dragonlance is one of the big settings in dnd mm. it comes off as very generic more because other dnd has copied it which is very possible but also it just anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you could be you could be right there. It's um See, we are being fair. Point. Please do not send the Dragonlance writing team to beat us. Yeah. Definitely not. So uh back to Few Master Toad. A hobgoblin commander he is, and some of his minions. Forced to fight. The threesome killed Toad as minions. Please, if you're writing a non fictional article and you refer to a group of people don't say threesome. Please. It makes me think of bad things. I don't want to think of Tasselhoff Burfoot getting it on. I do. So there's a dissenting opinion. Okay, well, I'm hitting the kink shame button and I'm hitting it hard. They continued to the inn of the last home to meet up with their friends. And as circumstance would have it, two barbarians, Riverwind and Goldmoon. Which, you know, at least they're spelled normally. Kitiara Uthmatar is absent, having sent a letter to Tanis saying that her new lord is keeping her busy. Which is... I I really found myself struggling with that particular um, story arc of just this, this person I don't know anything about is important, but we're just getting bits of paper from her. Mm. Like that's that's it. I'm, I should care about Kitiara Uthmatar. It's definitely it's definitely a sign it's a film for the fans. Yeah. The companions soon discover that the seekers are searching for a blue crystal staff when Hedrick, a seeker, is accidentally burnt when Riverwind pushes him into the fireplace. Goldmoon heals him with a blue crystal staff, a holy artifact of the goddess Mishakal, which possesses healing powers. 
Upon seeing Goldman with the item he had been searching for, Hederick calls for the guards, causing the companions to flee solace. Unknown to them at the time, this pulls the companions into a great struggle against the goddess Tahisis, the queen of darkness and leader of the enemy forces. I'm going to stop there. It's a long-ass synopsis. I just, do, you have any, do you have any thoughts about that? That's probably about the first third mm. or half of the film. Yeah, I mean, like, so it's... Uh, bah, 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 bah. So it's, like, to be clear, it's not a bad movie. It certainly is, like, you know, you certainly are going to go fight an evil dragon goddess. Yeah. Who I'm informed is from the stories. And it does have the bizarrely hilarious choice of all dragons are CGI and only dragons are CGI. Oh, yeah. yeah, That was weird. Which, I don't know if it's meant to make them seem sort of unreal, unethereal, or if it was just they got a very specifically earmarked um, CGI budget. Yeah, possibly. I I feel like... um... With that, I can definitely see what they were going for. That's an interesting idea, using a different medium for yeah. the the big mysterious creatures. Uh, but yeah. it just did not work at all. Yeah, I feel like maybe it would have worked better if it was demons or spirits or something. Mm. Um, it did have the like weirdly cool like um, thing that at some points dragon dragon dragonborn. I don't know if that's the word it would be using here, but dragon people disguise themselves as um as normal people but they're still in cgi so you can relatively easily tell who's a secret dragon because they're the one that was god that was the worst bear i swear to god the first thing was like the animation is like okay it feels like an 80s cartoon yeah it's pretty solid animation yeah like fairly fairly cheap but not the worst but then the CG things come in and they make everything around it look worse. Hmm. It's and then the two D stuff makes the three D look bad. It's yeah, because yeah, because ev- everything in the cartoon, like in the animation, looks like 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 Nick said, looks like an um somewhat cheap but perfectly serviceable cartoon. Um, and the CGI allow me to just drop everything I own. Um, the CGI looks... I mean, it also looks like early 90s CGI, I guess. Yeah. But... Everything has that sort of weirdly polished look that bad CGI has. Oh, yeah, I get what you mean. It all looks shiny, and it does... Like, again, it maybe would have worked if it had been demons or ghosts or something else that's meant to look slightly unreal and slightly unnatural. But for a dragon, it just comes off as all the dragons are uncomfortably moist. Yeah, that's weird. I'm, I've been really struggling with some of the names in in this as well. Like everything, everything is conspiring to bring you out of the story. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like maybe so. Okay, so they do say um, we're going to go to. We do that. They do say we're going to need to go find Dragonlance and things like that, which I assume would be meaningful had I um, had I read the thing. But I don't know. So I guess you could argue this is our fault for going into something for a franchise that we don't really know. But there does seem to be a lot of things that are only really explained if you do know Dragonlance. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Even... Even things that ostensibly exist for the fans, they need to do a, a job of of explaining what's happening. 
they need to be um, coherent in themselves. But yeah, uh, there's also a dragon who adopts a bunch of kids, uh, which is weird, and is under the impression they're baby dragons. Wasn't that in an episode we did a while back about? It was. Uh, we will be suing. Um, but yes, there's under the impression they are baby dragons, um, and goes to fight the evil dragon on the grounds that the evil dragon is trying to eat her babies. Well, yeah, it's an evil dragon. What do you expect? A sort of villain is. Okay, so one scene I did like was um, the hero going, and the Lord of Light, uh, the gods of light will stand by us, and, and then is just knocked unconscious with a mace. Um, which yeah, I feel that should happen more heroic things. That that worked okay. I think some of the jokes, when it's yeah, not. Yeah, like it was. It had pretty good jokes. Yeah, when it's not super generic, I'm a dwarf, when are we going to get money so I can get some ale? When it's not shit like that, it, it's actually okay. Like, my favorite line is probably um, one of the more kind of sorcerer types um, doing some impressive magic, and the rogue turning to a wizard with a book says, "Like, hey, look, she she can cast spells without, um, you know, without doing without moving her lips. What do you think of that, huh?" And he's like, "I'm I'm doing a ritual. She's pulling magic from the ether itself. It's not the same thing." I just, yeah, I really like, enjoyed that. Like, it is a good film. It's just... Also very think, bad. It's just also very, like, it just runs to the problem that, like, basically, if you just filmed your D&D campaign, you'd probably get something close to this. Yeah. There's an elf and a dwarf and a wizard and a cleric. And, again, I don't... It might be that it's because other ones are based on them. But they just don't seem to have anything to sort of distinguish them from anyone else. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna read through a bit more synopsis because it is it just got it just has some beautiful names in it that I'm gonna really struggle with. The companions cross a nearby lake by boat in their escape, and wrestling notes that the constellations known as the Valiant Warrior and the Queen of Darkness, representations of the true gods Paladine and Takesis absent from the sky, which he claims means that the two gods, the heads of good and evil respectively, have come to Kryn. The next day, the group is attacked by Draconians. That's at least self-explanatory. These creatures are numerous among the Dark Queen's armies and often serve as foot soldiers. Thank you for the sort of parenthetical remark, Wikipedia editor. The companions are driven into the woods known as, as Darkenwood. Not the Darkwood, Darken where they encounter undead warriors who, upon seeing the staff, make them go to the Forest Master. The Forest Master charges the group to go to the ruined city of Xak Saroth to retrieve the discs of Mishakal, containing the teaching of the true gods and instrumental for the restoration of the faith in the true gods. Zak, uh, Zak Saroth is spelt X-A-K space T-S-A R-O-T-H. So, your mouth goes in all directions when you try and say it. Hmm. After a trip on the backs of Pegasi, the companions enter Xakt Saroth and eventually meet some guilty dwarves. No, not guilty dwarves. Gully dwarves. Diminutive and stupid creatures. Wow. That's just harsh. One of the dwarves. Yeah, like, it does seem very mean to a lot of creatures. Yeah. One of the dwarves 
Boopoo. B-U-P-U. Leads them to the dragon Onyx, who is killed by the holy power of the Blue Crystal Staff. When this happens, Goldmoon is consumed by its flame and presumed dead. However, they find her later resting at the foot of a statue of Mishakal, which now bears the Blue Crystal Staff, having blessed Goldmoon with true clerical powers. The companions leave with the discs of Mishakal, and Bupu also gives an ancient spellbook, formerly belonging to the Archmage. Give me a second. Fistandantilus. Fistandantilus. Archmage. To Raislin and then returns home to her fellow Gully Dwarves. After returning to the Solace to look for someone who might be able to read the discs, and finding it occupied, the companions are captured by the evil armies, and, along with an elf named Gilthanas, the son of the leader of the elven nation of Qualinesti, are captured and chained in a slave caravan. Just going to point out, this is very late into the film, like at this probably 70-minute mm. mark. As you may have noticed from how much synopsis new... we've read out. Yeah, bring in a new character with a long name. Yeah, en route to the fortress and mining site of Pax Tharicus, the group is freed by Gilthanes' brother Portheos. They escape to Qualinesti and decide to incite a rebellion in Pax Tharicus and free the slaves of Dragon High Lord Verminard's control. Verminard is the big bad, by the way, um, in this in this story. Like, obviously, working with the Queen of Darkness, yada yada, but Verminard is, yeah, major bad guy. The companions journey through a secret passage underground to Pax Tharkas and devise a plan to free the slaves. They also heal Elistan, a dying seeker, and the leader of the slaves. Well, that's a, that's a great job, that is, leader of the slaves. Trying to sneak women and children away from Pax Tharkas, the companions are attacked by the dragonlord Verminard and his dragon. However, his dragon is killed by another insane dragon. After his dark goddess, Thakesis turns away from him in order to battle with Paladine. Verminard is killed by Tanis and Sturm. Elistan is able to read the discs, and Goldmoon and Riverwind are married. The end. They had planned a, a sequel, I think, because this is a very cut-down version of the of the book it's adapted from, where yeah. I believe Kadiara Uthmatar is supposed to have a lot to do. Yeah, like it does... A lot of plot points do feel like very abrupt. Yeah. I know, like, I've not read the book, as I've said a few times, in case you haven't noticed, but it does sort of have the feeling of when you're, you know, when you're watching an adaptation that is sort of essentially trying to just hit the beats and yeah. a thing shows up and it's like, yeah, see, this is the thing from the story. And mm. then it has to sort of gloss past that. It does kind of have that feeling a bit. So it has an 80s Dune problem, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, th I, think, I think you're right there. Is, um is very truncated, and the sheer amount of information you have to remember is really difficult. The thing is, af after watching it, I just could not remember... Like pretty much anything aside from the joke I liked, and that some of them had silly names, and there were dragons and a staff, a staff and discs, and just all the MacGuffins, really. Yeah, like I assume one of the MacGuffins was a dragon lance. Possibly, I, I'm not sure if there was a dragon lance in, involved. They may have talked about a dragon lance at some point as like. Maybe 
building up for a sequel, but mm. yeah, it was really um really right. just a whole lot of like the discs and the staff and spell books and things. Like yeah, so part of the conceit which I'm informed is an important part of Dragon Lance lore is that the gods of good have left the world behind and are now returning. Which, again, it just feels kind of... I don't know, it has the feeling of it's meant to be a triumphant moment, but it's just... Yeah, one of the one of the companions is one of the gods in disguise. This is apparently in the books too. And I don't know, it just feels like... It feels like it should be a triumphant moment, but it just comes off as slightly hollow, which... I know, I think it feels a like, like I said, it's not bad, it's just, there's a reason I've been letting Nick Blake read off the synopsis, it's, there's just very little to say about it. it yeah, it's the most dragon... damning things I could say about it is just reading off all the names of characters it's and the, dragon... the things they do. Yeah, it is a Dragonlance movie, and if you want to see the Dragonlance characters go on a little adventure, it's, it is a movie about that. Yeah. But... Yeah, like, I can't say it's bad. I just can't say much about it. Which What's is ideal problem? for this bonus episode. That's not a, it's not a bonus. This is going out in the main feed. Oh, well, shit, I guess it was fun having a podcast, guys. Yeah, I just want to reiterate one of the names that stood out to me. Archmage Fist and Dantilus. Just, it bears repeating. Hmm. Like, it did have some good names. Really? I, I like the names. Okay, some of them some of them I can... I'll give it to them, you know. Um... They very much felt like names a D&D part would come up. Yeah. I, I think that some are alright, but I just cannot swallow Tasselhoff Burfoot. Mm. Yeah, the villain was somewhat... Generically evil. Oh yeah, Verminard. Hmm. I think he might have been... Apparently he was slightly more like fleshed out in the books, but here he's just an evil man who wants to do evil things. Yeah. I'm impressed at some of the, some of the cast. They've got... Um, yeah, they've got some mainstay kind of voice acting people like D. Bradley Baker, uh Fred Tatascuri, um Phil Lamar, but also like Kiefer Sutherland and Lucy Lawless. Yeah. Like the acting are, was good. They've yeah, they put some they put some real money there. And mm. you know, I, I respect that. It's definitely I'd say they put in a medium amount of effort. It's and that, like that does like, show. yeah, like it's definitely something that I know it's definitely something that people didn't just crank out in an afternoon. Yeah, it's the problem was they cared, but they expected everyone to automatically care as well. Mm. And probably, who knows, maybe they did if they weren't us. Yeah, it so is. Think... If, if you are a big Dragonlance fan, feel free to send us angry emails. Yes. Um, I, d I especially don't care because I'm not the one that checks the inbox. I mean, I'm not the one that checks the inbox. Mod Paper is the one who checks the inbox, so feel oh, yeah. free to yell at Mod Paper. They're not here to um, disagree with us. I feel mean now. 
Please don't yell at mod paper. Yeah, don't do that. They're ill. Um, oh, okay. I, I've just looked up the uh, the guy who directed um, the thing of me, um, Dragonlance, what we've spent half an hour talking about. Um, he did did some storyboard stuff on uh, Batman the Animated Series, hmm. which, you know, it just would have been greatly improved if the Joker was inexplicably CGI. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Joker's trick. Hmm. Um, I just think having that on the um, yeah on on your CV is automatically a sign that oh yeah you're a a proper animation person because that absolutely ruled. Yeah, like it like it suddenly wasn't like you know badly made. It's just yeah. I think yeah I think it just wasn't. Like, I'd, I'd maybe recommend it if you are a big Dragonlance fan. Yeah, although if you're a big Dragonlance fan, you might be annoyed that, like, a 500 or whatever page novel is reduced to a 90-minute film. If you're a big so, Dragonlance fan, you've probably stopped listening already, actually, so... Yeah. Dragonlance fans can get fucked. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a Dragonlance hater, then watch the film and delight in how bad... They have used the source material, but also take a look at yourself if you're that invested. Now, for our next um, our next special milestone episode that we've been doing the past uh, for the for the past couple of years, uh, we'll be looking at Dungeons and Dragons: The Animated Series, I believe, because the mm-hmm. Next Dungeons and Dragons film isn't out until at least next year, I believe. Yeah, there is a new one coming out. Yes, which I am excited for because that's got some got some fun people. Um, I believe it's got Chris Pine, who which who is one of my mm. preferred Chris's. Yeah, I do notice that it doesn't have Chris Pratt voicing everyone, which is an improvement over a lot of films these days. That's very much an improvement. It's um, if you've seen him in Into the Woods. He does a very fun um, sort of camp turn uh, performing Agony, which is just a ridiculous um, number. I think just that alone, if you want to look it up on on YouTube or something, that's a good sign that he might approach that kind of fantasy thing with a nice um, sort of wry take. Because we all know that it's a little bit silly. The, yeah. the hobby, the the genre, and everything. It's very, very good, and it's very, very fun, but you you can't be as sort of po-faced as some bits of Dragonlance lore, for example, is. Yeah, so I, I think the D&D movie probably does have to be somewhat jokey. Yeah. I hope it's literally just um, just Chris Pine and a couple of other actors in a room Playing D and D, just bring in. Um, They're not allowed to leave until the game is over. Yeah, bring in Vin Diesel and Judy Dench. I will not elaborate. Anyway, that is all either of us can think of to say about Dragonlance. We hope you've enjoyed this it episode. It certainly is a film. 
this is a quasi live episode because um we're re- we're having to record it on the day it goes up mm-hmm. so in we enjoy can hear you. yeah it's it's just like our live mm-hmm. stuff except you can't ask us any questions mm-hmm. or drop bits in the chat and it's still pre-recorded but apart from that it's just like our live stuff yeah so um Subscribe to our Patreon, which is Probably Bad RPG Ideas. Email us at probablybadpodcast at gmail.com for any questions or suggestions. Watch a better fantasy film than Dragonlance, unless you're getting some kind of clout or remuneration for it. And, and remember to have a really bad, bad day. <laughs>